Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. I am Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we're the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. Yeah, welcome to the Overcomers Podcast. Well, those of you who follow us know that we went on a recent soul adventure. That was a Sedona soul adventure. And one of the most amazing things that happened to me on this adventure was this breathing uh, thing that I did. Yeah, I know you're probably thinking, yeah, I already breathed, Travis, you know, I mean, uh, weren't you breathing already? I never breathed in this way before. I'll tell you, I had my fingers tingling, my toes tingling, my ears tingling. It was as close to an out-of-body experience as you could imagine. And so today I'm bringing on the show the person that did that for me. She's a healing practitioner. Her name is Justine Presswich, and I am just so excited, so honored that she's gracing us with her time and coming on to the Overcomers podcast. Justine, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. I, I was um, spellbound listening to episode one, and yeah, I, I'm uh, thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for listening to the show, and, and thanks for making time to be on here. It truly was, uh, I would say, the closest to any out-of-body experience that I've ever had. And I remember when uh, we started, I was like, we're going to breathe? I mean, like, what's that mean, you know? And then you're like, oh, and you might feel certain things. And I'm like, how am I going to feel anything from breathing? I do it all the time and I don't feel anything, you know? And a little bit, wait till, I, wait till you hear what happened in our session. But we'll get to that a little bit later in this show. Uh, first, Justine, let's just kind of introduce you to the audience. Um I just think that you're an amazing person. I know that you're teaching on the uh, Enneagram, and I definitely want to talk about that as part of this show. Uh, but um, how did you get into doing what you're doing? You know, tell us a little bit about your story. Um, well, I I am um, I think like most people who um, get into this, I kind of really start studying transformation. I mean, I just hit the wall. I hit the wall really hard. About, um, about 25 years ago, around the time of 29.30, I was just such a ridiculous mess. Um, I, I, I pretty much crawled into Sedona from Los Angeles. I'd been in LA, I'd been in the film business. I, um, I got totally crunched, um, probably on every level. And... Um, I mean, let's see what there, there was everything, you know, it was just all there. Um, um, it was, I'd, I'd gone there, I was on a big, I thought I was going to be in, you know, this sort of movie. I was in a, into the movie thing. And then I'd got an exciting job in a film company. Then I fell in love with the boss and, um, and, and we moved in together. It was all for a while, like this Hollywood high, the amazing um, thing. And then, I'd been living with him a long time before I realized he was a heroin addict, like highly functional. Wow. Yeah, and so suddenly the whole, you know, as, as anyone who's, you know, been in the drug world knows, it's like, you know, there's so many aspects that creep up on you. And suddenly it was, 
It was so almost sort of cliched. It was the Hollywood dream and the house in the hills and the, the perfect job and the man and the whole thing it was exciting, it was creative. And then suddenly it was just came down to, um, to, to nothing really. I, I, um, I think, and I had the codependency thing really going on strongly. And I, I, yeah, I got into the thing where I'm gonna fix it, fix it. You know, not looking at myself, looking over at like, how can we help the situation, getting into everything myself too, at some point or another. Um, and then um, I remember it just sort of got to a time and I bought a house together with this guy and where I just didn't know what to do. There was heroin and crack and everything going on the house. I really didn't know what to do. I tried everything. There was, um, you know, rehab had gone on a million times. It was really never going anywhere for him. Um, then I, 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 just in a total panic one time, like I didn't know what to do. And all my money was tied up in the house. Um, all my career had sort of fallen apart. The, and I went down to a place called the Optimum Health Institute in San Diego, um, just to sort of take some time. And everyone was there drinking wheatgrass, cleansing. Everyone was healthy and wonderful. I really wasn't, I was a total wreck. But I thought I'll just like take a pause here. Um, and I was much more British at the time in the sense I really didn't talk to people about my emotions at all, ever. <laughs> unless it was someone really close. And when I was there, I met a girl who, um, we would do this morning walk at 6 a.m. Like you had to do it, like you do your wheatgrass and you go on a morning walk. And I really avoided people. I didn't want to talk to anyone at the time. And she always would kind of lock eyes with me. And I, I had this thought to myself, like that's the kind of girl, if I was feeling more social, I think we could be friends. Mm -hmm. But I was, you know, locked away in my own sort of prisons. And, and then she came up to me um, on the day before she was leaving. And she said, I think you're um, in real trouble. And I was kind of shocked. And I was like, do you? And she said, yeah. She said, do you mind if I just put my hand on your chest? And I, it was just felt so like odd to me at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and, and when she put her hand on my chest, I remember literally, it was like my whole world just started was definitely having a sort of trans, uh, transcendent experience. My whole world, I felt was falling apart. I was sobbing. I didn't know where I was. I was um, seeing all sorts of lights and different things. And so this girl said to me, I, she's a friend of mine now, I know her really well, but she said, if you ever need me, call me. And she pretty much walked out, but she gave me her number. I think it must've been before everyone had a cell phone. And so then I, remember going back to my house in Hollywood and it was, you know, total craziness um, in there. And I, I just, um, it was El Nino, actually, the, um, you know, the sort of the, the kind of suddenly the winds. And I remember there's this warning coming up, don't get in your car, but I really couldn't stay in the house. It was too crazy. There was a party going on. It was, it was horrifying. And so I just got in my car in El Nino and just started driving into the desert. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't really know what I was going to do. And, um, and then eventually I stopped at a gas station. I called this girl and, and she just picked up the phone like she'd known me for a hundred years. And she was like, where are you? 
what are you doing? And I said, I'm just in the middle of the desert. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what to do. And she knew nothing about my life. And she said, um, that is so great. Just keep driving, keep driving, drive to me. And I said, where are you? And she said, Sedona. So I just showed up, it happened, like I remember arriving, it was a full moon. It was Easter day the next day. And I just showed up to this girl, I barely knew. And it was, I just right then had a total life change. That's really how I got here. Um, and later this, the guy um, who had been very in love with, he, um, he didn't make it, he killed himself in fact. And um, so there was a lot, you know, it's all very traumatic, but she, what I'd said to this girl who I knew was a cancer survivor is I just remember saying to her, I'm so lost. I just, I don't know quite who you are or what you're up to, but I feel like I need to be more like you. What have you been doing? And she said, well, one thing I did do that's around the corner, it's not here anymore. She said, I went to this healing school where like you go in and you're gonna, and it was a little bit Sufi based. Mm -hmm. and, and that very next day, I just drove down there and they were having a module of about 15 people. And I just walked in and said, I think I'm meant to be here. And so at that point, I, I was, and they were like, come on in. And, <laughs> and I think it was like, um, my whole life started again. Like, I think I started off with a, like a foundation that was a bit more real. Um, I, I, and, and everything before that, it just been trauma piled upon trauma, tra piled upon trauma, piled upon, you know, and then eventually it was like, okay, I'm just down to nothing. No, yeah. I had nothing, nothing. Yeah. And, and then I think I just, you know, I started my life again. Like, uh, so, so then I just got very interested in one and just unfolding, like, how do we unfold? How do we move out of it? And, you know, bit by bit over, 25 years, I learned different modalities and, um, you know, had to, you know, come to terms with all the different things and, and just hopefully, you know, moved, moved more and more back to um, wholeness rather than complete fragmentation, mm -hmm. which is what it took for me with a stubborn ego. That's what it took for me, you know. Well, I'm glad for it now. Yeah, well, sometimes, yeah. you know, I guess they say sometimes we have to have a breakdown to have a breakthrough, right? You know, that's uh, that's one way to look at it. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I find it very coincidental. Uh, one part of your story has to do with arriving in uh, Sedona uh, on Easter to a full moon. And that is exactly what we just did. Uh, we came in on Easter Sunday. and there was Oh, a did you? Yeah, it was so was crazy. Easter? Oh, my gosh. Was it? Yeah, we... We thought it was, oh. it was like the first like really kind of like unique oh. part of our trip where we're like, well, that's kind of a cool sign. You know, we're riding in amongst all these mountains and it's Easter Sunday and it's uh, a full moon. And and I had crazy dreams while I was in Sedona. I had a yeah. broken pyramid replaced with a white cellulite heart and just weird stuff, you know, <laughs> stuff that, uh, you know, makes you be like, woo, you know, what was this going on? <laughs> you know, right? But it, right. it was you know, maybe, maybe we should all look for signs, you know, we're, we're journey yeah. three, three for a reason uh, that has to do with signs. So, um, well, oh, that's, that's interesting. That's, I didn't, yeah. It's really interesting. Like, I, I mean, honestly, I don't tell the story very often. I, I'm surprised hearing myself, yeah. like, tell the story because it's a bit, you know, it's a bit dark side, you know, but um, Sedona is a funny place because actually a lot of people who around the time when I 
lived here 25 years ago, just stumbled in. And most of them, I mean, almost had lost everything. It, so I know there is some sort of a gravitational force. And then at that time too, it was not an expensive place to live. You could just wing it. You could just do something to get by and wing it. But now it's, you know, it's really different. It's expensive. It's, yeah. it's, um, it's changeable. It's still, you know, there's no question to me that if you are in needing to go through some strong transformation, it supports you and it pushes it. Like yeah. it kind of, it just does. And like, I think if you take a, a compass out here, it, the compass may not know what to do as much as it would in other places, like it gets confused. So presumably then you take your human biofield out into this energy and it gets disorientated, which if you need to change is really useful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, that life just uh, unfolded over the years. How many years has it been since you moved to Sedona? I moved here 25 years ago. 25 years ago. And you've explored a lot of modalities. There's one in, uh, one in particular that you teach on uh, called the Enneagram, which I, I'm very, I'm very interested in doing a, a session where we follow up and we learn about this for ourselves. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you told me a story about it. And, uh, you know, Overcomer Nation, I want you to listen in on this. This is a uh, really interesting stuff because you know, we have to know ourselves or, or maybe just know what we're kind of dressed in. So that, that way we can, uh, well, I won't say anymore. In fact, Justine, I'm going to turn it over to you to tell that story that you told to me uh, so that we can okay. kind of introduce what this is really all about, if that'd be okay. Uh, okay, so I, I'm pretty sure what we were talking about was, because we weren't doing an Enneagram session, but um, I think I was telling you that the, the Enneagram, I think it's often... Um, a little misused. It's quite out there now in in popular psychology, but I've seen people coming along who are going, I'm a four, I'm a three, or almost sort of boxing themselves in, which defeats the entire object. The object, the Enneagram, the Enneagram is a sacred map. It's a fusion of ancient spirituality and modern psychology. Um, so uh, Sandra Maitri, I know, um, in, in describing how to how it's meant to work for us if we choose to use this tool and it's a fantastic tool um she tells a great she's a fantastic enneagram teacher she was a student of claudio naranjo who was a chilean psychiatrist who was one of the early people in the 20th century to start using it and like going wow what is this thing and he fused it he and a another Bolivian psychologist fused it with modern psychology. They laid the personality part onto it. But anyway, she tells a story of a guy who, a Sufi, a Sufi Islamic guy who gets put in prison for a crime he did not do. Mm -hmm. And um, his wife goes along to the prison and says, I have embroidered a beautiful um, premat for my husband. May I give it to him? And the prisoners, I mean, the, the prison guards say, um, okay, I guess, all right, we'll do it. We'll do the prayer mat. And so as a part of his um, religion, he's praying five times a day. So he's going down on the prayer mat, um, praying five times a day. And after a while, he starts to notice that the design on this prayer mat is very specific and that what his wife has done is embroider a very specific pattern and as he prays and he prays and he gets closer to it and he starts to learn it, he starts to merge with this pattern. He realizes 
that the pattern is the inner working of the lock to the prison door. So it's a diagram of the inner workings of this lock. So he says to the guards, um, do you have children? Because I would love to make your children some little metal animals, if I may. And I'm just gonna need a few tools to do that. And the guards go, yeah, we'd love that, we'd love that. They give him the tools. So at night, he just unpicks his way out of the prison door. And that is how the Enneagram is meant to work for us in the sense that it helps us, it gives us a template to move out of our own inner prisons. Wow, that is so cool. <laughs> I just love that story. I mean, it's to just be thinking about it but I love it too I love it too I love it too it just helps us to I yeah. mean what we're really saying then here with that story that's an analogy is that it helps us to really unlock you know why we're the way that we are or, you know why we might have certain behaviors or certain things about us I mean yeah. is that is that like kind of like the the takeaway yeah. how that story can be applied yeah I mean in the um you know universe of the Enneagram the the idea is that there are nine different pathways out of prisons, out of inner prisons. So it's just specific. So basically, in the usually, it seems like for us to remember our wholeness and to access the kind of freedom that we're all craving, we usually there comes a point where the external things alone aren't doing it. You know, um, that increasing that gap between the big you, let's say the divine you and your ego is, there are all sorts of ways to do it. Med meditation, almost every spiritual or um, uh, psycho spiritual tool that's out there will be trying to help you increase that gap. But what I love about the Enneagram is it's specific. So in doing that, you've got nine different ways. So the way I operate may be the exact opposite way that your ego structure operates. So. I think of it a bit like this. If your ego structure is like a straitjacket, and we've all got one and, and it helps us to function and get from A to B and move along the timeline um, and move through our lives and have consistency. Usually there comes a point where that straitjacket is just too tight and your ego, you know, either it may happen from a crash from the outside, you know, gets smacked, your ego gets smacked really hard or repeatedly until you keep you know, I mean, <laughs> work in progress, you know, can move out of it. But I think that the Enneagram, it's a bit like loosening that straitjacket, having a very specific tool to loosen the straitjacket so you've just got more room so you can breathe and suddenly, no matter what's going on in the outside world, it's more free and more juicy and there's more expansion into who you really are. Mm. which is maybe, you know, the force that makes the roses grow. Like, and so it gives more room for you to feel and live out of um, the divine part of you that's connected with everyone else. Yeah, I, there's a great quote that I like, and it's that which causes the rose to bloom is also in you. And I was like, oh, that's so cool to think about, like that oh. life force, you know? Yeah, um, yeah that's really cool. Um, so, yeah. You would say the benefits, and, and by the way, you know, we've heard the number nine use. Would you call them like nine different personality types? Would you call them uh, yeah. nine? Would that um, be a good way to describe well, it? Or? I mean, um, what the what the psychologists in the 20th century did is fuse personality types onto these nine different pathways that to move out of prisons that had been used, studied by 
the Franciscan monks in 1325, this, have you ever seen this nine-sided shape of the Enneagram? That you often seen it drawn and it looks flat, but if you imagine it as a geometric shape, if you imagine it more in the world of sacred geometry, this nine-sided symbol, that symbol was definitely being used by the monks in 1325. It was definitely used by Pythagoras, the ancient Greeks, 2,500 years ago. And some people say the original use of this um, symbol to move out of inner prisons was actually being used by the ancient Egyptians, the Essenes in ancient Judaism. So it's been around a long time, quite how they were using it then pre-psychology, I'm not sure. But I do know, you know how you find out that when you, the snowflake has this sort of perfect sacred geometry, like you're unique, each person's unique, each snowflake's unique, but yet it ties in with these patterns, sacred geometrical patterns. It's, we're in that world. So, so before you've even looked at the personality types, there's something that happens with this um, sacred symbol where it's used, it's like almost fused, fused with you, where it's almost like, I wanna say, moving back, finding a way to move back to the perfect, more perfect aspect of yourself, the, more, the one that's more aligned with sacred geometry that, you know, you find it, it's in nature, it's in the shell, it's in the rose, it's everywhere. It might be our entire thing is kind of perfect you know, try as hard as we may to mess it up. It seems that somehow it is actually perfect, like behind the scenes. So maybe it's like this way to sort of kind of help get yourself back more to the part of yourself that was, that's big, that was never scathed, never affected by all of the things that happened to you in your life. So the... The Enneagram, uh, like I, when I think about like a benefit on an individual level, would you say that it helps you to get to know your higher self? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, exactly. And if yeah. you're a couple that's going to do the Enneagram, yeah, to understand, you know, kind of each other's higher self and just, you know, kind of, I mean, how would you say, what are the benefits for a couple to like understand their numbers on an Enneagram? Um, well, Usually, I don't think the, the part that clashes, like the, where we clash is usually our high, you know, our big self is probably like, you know, completely aligned, but it's, you know, we, we cla our egos clash. Um, and, you know, particularly in couples, if there's always this, it is really useful. I have found this very useful in my own, you know, long-term relationship that if you can, because for example, let's just say you lead with the foot of the nine, you're, you're all of the numbers, but the one you lead with, if you can find the one you lead with, which is actually the most challenging thing, is to find it. Um, there are certain patterns that people who align with that will do, even however different they are. It really amazes me because you've got, you know, the spectrum of humanity is so wide, but the people who will report, this is really the way I tend to operate behind the scenes then suddenly you can as well not take it so personally. Wow, why do they tend to do that? That's not just them. It's probably a ninth of the population does that. So I don't need to take this personally anymore. And in fact, I can find out what is it that they tend, what do they tend to, uh, what do they tend towards? What are they wanting? Um, what's their goal? Because e even, 
yeah, like you, you see this personality structures. I just can never believe how weirdly accurate it is. Yeah. It instantly confounds me. Um, some people, for example, some people might say, I have a kind of thing where I'm, you know, I'm pissing someone off the whole time, but it may be that there's one place in the Enneagram, for example, where, you, you know, um, so I'm not being very articulate about this, but you know, let's just say you're in a car and you know when the person passes you, the other car, and there's a moment in the mirror where you can't see, it's like a blind spot. Mm -hmm. The Enneagram helps you to see your own blind spot. So the thing that maybe is alienating you from someone else, but you can't see it. It might be you're pushing their boundaries, not because you're this bad person, because that's what you tend to do on this place in the Enneagram and you can't see you're doing it. Yeah. Um, or you tend to um, get very, very masochistic and not share about something or it's like tendencies, but when you can see the ones you can't see about yourself, it's really useful for relationships. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that is the yeah. uh, journey that I, I know that I'm on and I think Cindy's on it and we're on it together. It's um, the longest journey is the journey inward, you know, so just trying to get to know myself, my own core wounds, my, uh, yes. Yes. you know, uh, so we are very interested in this Enneagram. Uh, that's something that I definitely, you know, we'd love to do that with you. Uh, I would love to do that. I would love to do that with you. It's so useful. There's just no... There's no question. It's 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 it can be shockingly useful. Awesome. Hmm. Let's talk about that uh, that breath work that we did. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, first, maybe you could give it an inter inter uh, excuse me introduction. Uh, Halotropic breathing is what we did. So, can you tell everybody what that is? Yeah. Um, well, there's a number of different ways that when people say breath work, people have their own different techniques. What we did was most was basically holotropic breath work, which is where you breathe in. Um, and we did it with with music, you breathe to a soundtrack. So you're basically going on a, a breath journey with sound. And you're breathing in an exaggerated way. So you're removing the gaps between the breaths. So it becomes a cyclical breath. Um, and by doing that, you, you basically take yourself into a non-ordinary state of consciousness. So as you, you were saying earlier, well, it's like an out-of-body experience, but in a way it is. It is the way where you get to move out beyond your skin encapsulated ego, if you like. It does, it pushes you out. So once you're in that realm of not being in an ordinary state of consciousness, like all bets are off, all sorts of different things can happen. It's, it's in a way, it's a bimodal state of consciousness. So you're, ex you can, you're experiencing this other thing, but you're also watching yourself experience it. So you get a new view on yourself. In a way, it's like sometimes you can see, I don't know what exactly, I mean, each person has a very different experience. You can experience, um, being able to view yourself, it can be a very um, corrective experience in that instead of just same, it, it, all these things really try and do the same thing, same with Enneagram, you get to step back and look at your patterns with a new view. From that non-ordinary state of consciousness and breath work, you can sometimes see how the patterns fitted together in a way you couldn't before, or you might 
experience um, a vision, you might, you're, you're basically allowing too for your inner healer, which it, to come out, you know, when you, you graze your knee, let's just say, and it heals itself. Like we've all had that experience. So when you put yourself into a non-ordinary state of consciousness, it can suddenly sort of correct itself. You don't have to decide what to do. You just have to keep breathing and you witness what's happening. Um, but I, it's, it's really a, it's like kind of opening up a much bigger space where your subconscious mind is now much more present. And um, Stanislav Grof, who really brought um, holotropic breathwork to America, he was, he was the guy who was originally into LSD as a therapeutic modality. Um, and then when, you know, it became clear there can be problems with that. Um, so it, it, but that was just like another way of getting your sub, subconscious to be really accessible. So then he was like, well, what if you exaggerate the breathing, what happened? How else can we get that state? How can we get into that state? Maybe not exactly that state, but close to that state without taking LSD. And so then this whole school of thought emerged. And, you know, the holotropic gang, they're, you know, they're at it regularly. And, and you know, you can do, even if you do 10 minutes a day or just a little bit all the time, it can, it sort of reminds your body that you don't have to get like stuck into the patterns. Yeah. And the same, I mean, I know that you guys are really into fitness and stuff. In a way, you know, I think same with exercise. And But this is one of the ways. But this is, it also stops you being um, in control. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you. I remember you were saying before your session, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not too worried about, I, I you know, I'm, I'm good with breathing or so, something like that. Yeah, right, yeah. Well, because... <laughs> what did you like to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you kind of go there for a second, you know. <laughs> It's so funny because here we are, we're sitting together and you're like, you know, so we're going to breathe for an hour. Right. And I was like, wow. I mean, this, because I'm, I'm such a busy type of person and I have uh, my toughest time with meditation. Like people say, meditation isn't thinking about nothing. It's thinking about one thing and maybe meditating on that. And I'm like, okay. But my problem is I think about a million things. And I'm like, how am I going to stay still and just breathe for this hour? You know? And that was my biggest challenge going on in my mind. And then yeah. you have to breathe in that way. And I literally thought about nothing. I had some nice imagery go on a little bit during the session. But I mean, <laughs> you mentioned LSD and where this came from. I felt like I had an out-of-body experience and we weren't taking anything. I was just breathing. And I, I mean, my fingers were vibrating. My toes were vibrating. Uh, I mean, I was meditating like I'd never done before too, because we were tuning, you know, to just try to calm my hands. And I was like, that was just amazing. And I felt so energized and so light when it was over. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a great analogy that you just used. You talked about grazing the knee. We take it for granted that our body does do this miracle of healing. Like we cut ourselves and it just heals, right? I mean, you're like, wow, hey, that was pretty cool. I healed up. And then people come to us all the time for fitness and they get off medications. And, you know, I mean, it literally adds life to their years and years to their life. And then they kind of take it for granted, I suppose, you know, to a degree. But I mean, that was a healing thing that just happened. Like your body needed diabetic medication or blood pressure medication. It no longer does. So like yeah, that was yeah, a healing thing. Yeah, and, really. and like there's yeah. other kinds of healing. And I believe that we access one of those kinds of healing through the breathing that we did together. Like how yeah. powerful is the body? Like, I mean, how powerful is this 
this big you that you have, this this infinite you that can help you out. You know, it's uh, yes, and, and it's like we're not really we're not really brought up to know about that. We're not a culture. It's not doesn't really adhere towards wholeness. Like we're not taught about really remembering who we really are. We're usually educated just our head, like, and it's cut off. And then we're, I think in our culture, we're basically like, like heads walking around on prosthetic legs, trying, wondering why everybody's insane. Why, wondering why the whole thing is totally insane. Like why, why wouldn't it be if our body and our heart and our gut and all these things aren't included? So it's, you know, I mean, maybe one day it'll be different, but I feel like we're just retraining ourselves towards something that feels more um, sane. Just basic sanity is, it's not just right, you know, it's, it's, most of us haven't had basic sanity. We've had trauma after trauma, like we're, we're a traumatized species. But, but I, I'm really excited how many, I mean, working with soul adventures too, you see how many people are just coming in from all over, just wanting to reconnect with themselves in a in a way they might not have experienced. Like it's happening right now so outrageously that for all the you know crazy stuff going in the world, I think this might be the most exciting time to be alive. I really do. What do you what do you think? Do you think that there's an awakening happening in the world? Do you think that uh, we're moving into higher levels of consciousness than ever before? Like, what do you think uh, when you call it an exciting time to be alive? What do you feel is happening in the world? I, I feel that, if I'm honest. I mean, I I don't think it, it comes easy. I think I think it seems, I mean, who am I to know? But it seems that both we've got two extremes going on. We've got really real, I mean, maybe, maybe those two extremes have always been happening, that sort of duality, but we've got a lot of people who seem to be waking up into the place where instead of swinging from in the pendulum, one to the other, one uh, back holding both and going, wow, maybe I'm bigger than I thought. Maybe I can just hold these two things inside myself and just go from there and see what that's like. Like that, which I don't recall anyone even having that conversation when I was growing up in England, for example, <laughs> but now, yeah, like all these things, you know, the yoga, the, the meditation, all these things are sort of, um, I mean, it, it's the upside of globalization. I think people really are totally waking up and making that shift into just getting a different view, which presumably is the whole thing with the paradigm shift. Oh, good. So good. Well, I want to ask you just a couple more quick questions. And the number one question I have is all these modalities that you've learned, What's your favorite way to work with people? Like, where, like, is it the breath work? Is it the Enneagram? Uh, what's your, what are you most passionate about with all, with your, well, it's um, close to 30 years of experience now with all these different things, you know? Um, yeah, I suppose. I think, um, I, I think at the moment, I've had different, at the moment, I really, um, I really love the Enneagram. Because it's also something, you know, during COVID, you can do on Zoom, you can have that sort of Enneagram chat. Um, you know, it's really nice in breathwork if the person's right there. But you can all, you know, you can't, you, there's a lot of people doing breathwork on Zoom and to groups. And, and I, I mean, maybe you can do everything online, in fact. But for me, um, um, I don't know. Yeah, just, um, I think probably Enneagram. Mm -hmm. Awesome.
Well, we definitely want to do that with you. I, I really love this idea of this Enneagram. I, I just love this. Uh, like I said earlier, the longest journey is the journey inward. And I encourage everyone to take it like where we can actually identify the difference between our infinite selves and our ego and just, you know, that real part of yourself, that, that, that unchanging bigger you. Uh, so definitely very interested in that. And thank you for the work that you do. Um, really, thank you. Thank you. I wish I could be nearer your whole um, fitness thing. I, I need to, I need it. You know, I wish you were around the corner and I could come and get a bit of your, like I, I had something on your podcast where you're like, we don't let people off the hook. We chase them when they've made that commitment. And I really need that. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what we do. Well, if you see any property around the corner of Sedona, we sure didn't think it was beautiful there. So maybe we need a franchise there. Uh, but uh yeah, uh, yes, how can people get in touch with you? How can they follow you? How can they get more of you? Uh, um, well, well, I'm um, I'm not uh, haven't done too much on the social media at this point, but I uh, justinprestwich.com is my website, um, and then um, they can find me through Soul Adventures as well through Sedona Soul Adventures. But and if anyone wants to do Enneagram, justinprestwich.com. Um, or giving me a call. I don't know. Should I say my telephone number or not? Yeah. Are you willing to give that number? That'd be great. Well, should I? I'm, I, you know, truthfully, I'm so, I know I have to get there. This has been on my back burner, but like, you know, marketing and doing the social media, I just, I'm not good at it. So I haven't really done it yet, but I mean, thank you. Cause it would be so nice to actually have people like more people who are coming directly to me. It'd be really great. Once we go through this uh, Enneagram, I think it would be cool to put on some sort of workshop or something that, that could be done virtually um, since you teach on it, because then people can get like kind of the presentation of it. And uh, I don't know, I'm super excited to find out about it. That'd be cool. And it would be, you'll be really, once you know where you are on it, you'll see. Like, I would love that. I would love anything like that. I really would. And um, you just let me know if you want to do, you know, I'd love to just offer you both like typing sessions because if you, because then you can sort of see for yourself what you just make of it. Yeah, no, I'm going to, I'll email you after today's call uh, mm -hmm. to like set up a thing for us to do it. Cause it'd be really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I'm sorry. I hope I wasn't just like whistling on. Uh, you oh know. my God. You're fantastic. That was a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. fantastic show. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're, you're excellent. You so and so I really am so honored that you wanted to even talk to me. Thank you so much. Oh, are you kidding me? That was, a, that was the craziest experience I ever had in my life. And I mean, crazy in just such a wild, blessed way. It was like, I was like, what just happened to me? I felt like I could go skipping down the street. I, I was like, uh, Cindy called me and I didn't even know how long it had been, you know, or whatever. Her session started after mine, but was over about the same time as ours. And, and then she's like, she's like, where are you at? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just walking down the road, feeling light, feeling happy. I don't know. You know, I'm feeling pretty good, you know? Oh my gosh, that's so good. It's such a relief to just get out of your head, isn't it? Yeah, that was that's great. Good. Really good. Well, thank well, you for doing what you do. You're definitely meant to be doing what you're doing. And I know that's your purpose and it's your calling and you're blessing people with it like you did me. So thank you. I appreciate uh, it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm quite serious too about the, the fitness thing. I wish I could just like, it sounds really amazing what you've been up to. Yeah. And I, I'm going to listen to more of your podcast because I just listened to the first and then the beginning of the second. And I was going, holy moly. 
Uh, cool. I was going to do like a five minute chat with you, like about just a bit of breath work. And I, I've ended up like, you know how it can be a bit shocking when you suddenly do this reveal on, but anyway, I just out it all came, you know, so. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Thank you. For yeah, being, thanks thank for you. sharing. Yeah, thanks for being vulnerable and we appreciate yeah. you. Thank you very much. Not at all. I really look forward to just reconnecting, you know. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, I'll be making our appointment or, or reaching out for the appointment. So <laughs> it sounds good. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank all you. Right, thank you. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com.